smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And Bagnon! Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Benyera, beautifully done, sensational. Derby delight for Lyon as Tino turns Levert green with rage. Moyes Keane fires PSG clear at the top as Lille lose for a first time in Brest. Lens and Reims produce an eight-goal thriller while Monaco are top dogs on the Côte d'Azur. Hello and welcome Welcome to Le Bourgeois, the official League and Uber Eats podcast brought to you in association with BT Sport. Alongside me in the sunshine here in Paris, it is a beautiful day. Robbie Thompson, how are you? Very well, Matthew. How are you going? Yeah, very well. And I'm pleased the workmen just outside our studio have stopped for okay, lunch. I was a bit worried this morning. Good news. All good. David Crossan is with us. How are you, Dave? Yeah, good thinking about stopping for lunch as well. I'll, I'll wait until the end of the podcast. Well, yes, that's very good of you, Dave. We we do take a late lunch. We know that lunch is sacred in France and uh, you don't just grab a sandwich and eat it in front of your computer. You take no, two hours, down. possibly uh, you know, a glass of wine with your steak and stuff. But anyway, as a sort of sacrifice to our listeners, we're going to go straight in and we're going to have a late lunch. So thank you for joining us. Lots of action um, at the weekend. There really were some some big matches. We're going to start with uh, arguably the biggest. It was the derby, France's biggest regional rivalry between Lyon and Saint-Étienne. Uh, Armel Tanguy commentated this one from the Group Armour Stadium. Denis Buonga past Guimaraes and back across! Saint-Étienne have the opener! And it's fully deserved on the balance of play in this first half. It is then. Oh, it's a sweetly played pass into Cornet, across goal, and the finish from Tino Cadawere. this one and Rudy Garcia's bold substitution pays off he's watching his side hang on for dear life here as Cadawere beats Camera and cut and passed both Makudi and Mula and Tino Cadawere has turned this game around Satatien with three minutes to go well, given a chance from 12 yards to scrape a point out of this one Denis Buonga an empty Rupama Stadium with a chance to score his second in this derby. Buonga misses. Unbelievable. Wide of Lopez's right-hand post. Well, Robbie and Dave, it was a, a surprising one, really, insofar as everybody was expecting Leon to walk this. Leon were at full strength. Uh, they'd had a whole week to, to prepare for this derby. They were seemingly back in form. Saint-Étienne very much depleted on the back of five straight defeats. But to uh, to their credit, Claude Puel's team really made a, a fight of it and had Denis Buanga scored that penalty at the end, they would have got a got, got a draw. But a 2-1 victory in the end for, for Lyon and ultimately, Robbie, confirmation that, that Lyon are back. They've taken 10 points now from their last four games. And a dream come true for Tino Kiroueri. Matt, as well. The, Absolutely. The, the double goal scorer. He predicted it in, a, in an interview on French television Sunday morning. He said, I'm dreaming of scoring two goals in the derby, which I found a, a kind of surprising statement of, well, I guess Especially not when you're on the bench for the first hour. Yeah, <laughs> but fair play to him. He, he, he did it. And Dave, um, 
Leon Leon needed Tino Kedaweri to, to come off the bench at 1-0 down. They were struggling. They did, but for, for me, it's an illustration of their strength in depth and attack. Dembele started the game with Toko Ikambi and uh, Depay. I don't think Leon were particularly impressive, but they've got that firepower and they have players who can turn a match and Kadawere is starting to show the scoring instincts that made him league does top scorer at Le Havre last season. So it's an enviable position for Rudy Garcia to be in. I think what will have pleased him most in that game is the character shown by his team after falling behind because Lyon have been questioned on that front repeatedly since uh, Lisbon and since reaching the semi-finals of the Champions League after their disappointing start to the season. And well, given also that Marcelo was out suspended, Denier was back, yeah, they could have conceded two, possibly more, but they won the derby. And uh, you've got to go back to what did Laurent Blanc always say about finals? A final, you don't play it, you, you win it. And the only thing that matters is the three points, no matter what people say on phone-ins, on radio stations after matches. Yes, and derby, ça se, ça se joue pas, ça se gagne. That's what the exactly. French, the French I, like to say. It's all I, I wanted winning. you to say it in French rather than me. Ça se, <laughs> ça se gagne, but at the same time... I can say it in franglais, but that wouldn't... I could try. <laughs> <laughs> Leon lined up, so Dembele came into the side. He played um, centre forward. That hour on the left, Memphis just behind Dembele and uh, Toko Ikombi on, on on the right. One of our uh, loyal listeners, Chris Carpenter, wrote in and said that he felt Leon rode their luck um, and that they are lucky at times at the moment. Garcia is getting lucky, and he questioned Usam Awa, who was taken off um, with something of a of a knock, but he didn't have a great performance, Usam Awar. And Chris says, is a performance like this the reason why only Arsenal were serious contenders to sign him last summer? Is that is that fair, Robbie? Is Usam Awar too inconsistent? No, I don't think that's fair. I think uh, a lot of teams that were involved in Champions League football at the end of last season in Portugal and the final eight that didn't have a proper preparation and pre-season training for, for this campaign... We often think it's only Paris Saint-Germain, but Lyon were part of that as well. Lyon went uh, a long way in that competition after that first win over City. So their players have every right to be struggling physically as well. I don't see why why we would expect Awa to be in the in the best form of his life. He's also been called up to the France national team. He's had a couple of niggles, had a couple of red cards, which don't help you. Well, a red card, which doesn't help you form as well. So and I, I think would, there are lots of elements. I would just say as well, um, Chris suggests that Awa's guilty of going missing in, in, in the big matches. He's, he's only 22, and actually those big matches against Man City and Juventus, he was absolutely brilliant. Mm. Um, so I, I, I would agree with that, and I think it was a I tough... I think there is inconsistency in their yeah. squad and in I, their side, actually, but I think there are reasons for it. I, I'd actually disagree with Chris, and I think he has a tendency to go missing in smaller matches. I think he's a, mm. a big match player at the moment, but I, I love watching him. He's a beautiful player to watch. And on nights when he's not playing so well, it's also because he takes risks in his passing. He's not content with just knocking off a sideways pass to his central midfielder if he's playing out on the left. He's going to try and take a positive option because he's got that quality in his passing. And when it doesn't come off, it looks like he's giving the ball away an awful lot. But he covers more ground than you Mm. expect. Maybe you don't see this when you're watching on TV, but when you're in the stadium, you see that he covers a lot of ground. Having said that, I would agree with Chris that I think they (laughs) rode their luck a little bit in that game, if we talk specifically about the game last night. Yeah, and I I would also say, because I know I've got some passionate Leon supporting friends and, and they are frustrated with our this season and you know given his 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 but ability and, well, and, and his other, huge potential yeah yeah, yeah ab- absolutely but our I, I think does need to get more consistency and just talking about yesterday's game Rudy Garcia has got 
a bit of a, a problem insofar as he's got an embarrassment of riches in, in midfield. He, he struck on this winning formula, which was a midfield three of, of Thiago Mendes, Lucas Paqueta and Dave. And 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 do some hour, but that means that Maxence Kakare is not happy. Bruno Guimarães, who has been called up to the Brazilian national team, is not happy to mm-hmm. be uh, to, to be left out. You've got Ryan Shirky who who wants to play, so he looked to freshen things up. He brought in Kakare and Guimarães, and it and it didn't work. But th- you know this is a problem Leon have got because they don't have European football and they've got a big squad. Exactly, but that's the we knew that was going to be the problem. They tried to offload a lot of players as well over the summer. Jean-Michel Olas had the for sale signs up everywhere at the club because they knew this was a risk. They also know that they almost, well, in the eyes of many and their own supporters, they have no excuse for not playing leading role in the league this season and being in the top three and qualifying for Champions League football. And all of that can create this negative energy around the club because it's, it's fueled by journalists trying to sell newspapers and, and advertising on their radio shows who, who go out on all-out attack on everyone, and the fans who are listening to that, who are just consuming all this, all this news, well, they jump on the bandwagon, and all of a sudden you have, you have trouble from everywhere, not just the, the opponents you're playing on the weekend. Like Leon always going to have a chance. If you just compare the way they played in Lisbon to Marseille's woes in the Champions League this season, and... Lyon, their attackers just have so much more energy than Marseille's attacking players, more pace. And so they're always liable to get into a position to score a goal, even in a match when they're not playing that well. But what is this obsession then in France with dominating possession? Because against Monaco, Lyon had no ball whatsoever. I think they finished the match with less than 30% or 30% possession. And they won 4-1. Memphis Depay was incredible. You have to play to your strengths as well. I haven't been that impressed by Paqueta so far. Kakare is very, very young. I don't think he has any right to be saying he's unhappy at the moment being on the bench. No, he's only I, played I, I, I didn't 25 say he was games. complaining, but you, you can still be unhappy at being okay. on the bench. Yeah, absolutely. Guimaraes is a different story. Perhaps he, you know, he came in, he had a fantastic start as well, but maybe physically he's struggling a little bit as well. This, this, what we're seeing this season has never happened before. And for these clubs, it is very, very difficult. Leon are fifth in the league. They're not doing that badly. Marseille as well. But perhaps instead of everyone saying they're playing terrible football, they're playing terrible football, they're playing to their strengths. Well, the France national team yeah, but Robbie, didn't have possession. They won the World Cup. Leon are clearly better when they, when they play against teams that come out and, and, and attack them. And, but if you want to dominate in Liga, you need to be able to, you know, from what the French call attaque placé, you know, from, from slow build-up or what have you, playing against a low block, whether it's Dijon or... But Lille are other second, teams. and Lille have incredible counter-attacking yeah, potential. Yeah, I know, but you do need to have different ways of playing. Yeah, and Lyon have lost a lot of points in the last year or two against smaller teams. Absolutely, because when you're up against smaller teams that just sit back and defend with 10 men against the ball, it is tough. It is difficult. I thought Neyu was brilliant for Saint-Étienne in, in midfield. We saw some good young performances. Mardi Camera. Mardi How good Camera is this player? Well. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, yeah. playing it right back. I think Saint-Etienne will be okay because these youngsters so. do look good and they the, need, the, they need the help. The kid in midfield the, with the, the double-barreled surname. Gouna Duat. Yeah, Gouna Duat. Yeah. Very nice but as well. How old is he? Six defeats in a row though. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, six defeats in a row. They've got 10 points. Don't forget they won their first three this season, but they but are they down But they knew that was a 15th. risk they took as well. By not buying anyone, by getting rid of all the experienced players. You've got Wabi Kazri sitting on the bench. Where's Riyad Boudabouz? Stefan Ruffier, these guys, you know, Loic Perrin's gone. They've got only a team of teenagers with the odd, the odd experienced player. Just a shout out to our, our regular um, 
um, panel member, Tom Williams. I, I saw a tweet from him this morning saying there's a youngster in, in the ranks, a goalkeeper who was born in England, in Colchester, who, who is called Etienne Green, which for, for a Saint-Etienne goalkeeper is just an unbelievable name. So, I mean, let, let's hope Etienne Green makes it because I want to see this guy become a club legend. Steve, as I know him. Steve Hiver. Steve Green, yeah. <laughs> Guys, um, the game of the weekend was perhaps not the one that we were expecting, but uh, Lance, a great value for money this season, and they produced an absolutely extraordinary match um, against Reims on Sunday. It finished 4-4. Uh, Reims were 4-2 up going into the 90th minute of this one. Um, Florian Sotoka scored two in a minute um, to make it 4-4. Lance were then given a penalty um, even deeper in, in, in added time. Sotoka was again involved, um, crossed the ball and it hit Abdelhamid on the arm. The referee then went look, looked at the, um, at the video after being alerted by uh, VAR and decided it wasn't a penalty. That would have been... Had Lons got the penalty and scored, that would have been the most extraordinary victory probably since Marseille beat Montpellier 5-4, having been 4-0 down. But uh, yeah, it finished 4-4. And I just want to have a quick word about Boulay Dia because he scored two goals for Rouse. He is now the outright top scorer in Ligue 1 with eight goals, ahead of Kylian Mbappe. And, you know, we like to rib poor old Robbie Thompson because he, he does get a lot wrong. But last year, Robbie said... Two Boulay- years ago, man. <laughs> Was it two, two years, years ago? Yeah. He's... Yeah, yeah 18, so. 18 months ago. I'm not yeah. sure the pod's been going for two years, but <laughs> he said we, we all wanted to pick young players, ones to watch, and Robbie went for Boulay Dia, who just stepped up from amateur football, and we all sniggered a bit. But I tell you what, he spotted a good one. He spotted a good one because he is, he's firing in the goals. And uh, Robbie, I guess, you know, you, you, you might want to say, I, I told you so. No, no, that's all right. I mean, I, I do get a lot wrong, it's, it's fair to say. So I'm not going to, you know, set myself up for another heavy fall. But, uh, I saw Boulay Dia in, in his first couple of matches. I was commentating Reims at the time, and, uh, and I, I checked out his story. It's an incredible story. He, he's from the Paris region, like so many footballers in France are. And then he was just kicking around. He couldn't get a gig. He ended up playing for Jura Sud in the, the CFA 2 at the time, which is very much amateur football. Generally, the, the local town hall gives you a job mowing roundabouts and, and you play football uh, on the weekend for the, for the village. So he was playing there and he was scoring goals and Reims were looking for a player. He was already 22 years of age. They were looking for a player to, to help their second team, which was in danger of getting um, demoted again. So he came in, in in January to help out the reserves and uh, slowly but surely, scoring the odd goal, managed to get a, a call up with injury problems as well to the first team. And from there, hasn't looked back. Eight goals this season. Fantastic. And he's still... When you see him play, he still doesn't have that full killer instinct that I think he, he's going to develop still yet, even though he's, he's a late bloomer. But I think he still has a huge marge de progression, as we say, uh, a margin for progression, if I, if I franglais. Room, room for improvement? Yeah, room for improvement. Very good. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he's going to keep improving. And, and I think there was interest from English clubs for him last summer and for, for quite good money. Brighton, yeah, Brighton perhaps, were interested, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I, I was impressed by him against Lance because he's mobile. He makes the mm-hmm. runs in behind. Barisha picked him out with a terrific ball for his first goal, even though Lecker let it through his hands. The second goal was a, 
a great solo finish and he was also behind the own goal that Medina scored as well it was because his little he's a cross. generous player as well he doesn't look to go at all on his own every time he looks for teammates and that's where I think perhaps his confidence could still take another step up and be a little bit more selfish already more goals for him this season than he managed all of last year's season the truncated season eight that's compared right to seven that's right um but yeah plenty of promise he's uh, he's 23 years of age I'm just looking at his his career stats and uh yeah, before rounds, he played for Jura Sud, so an, an amateur team. Before Jura Sud, according to this uh, website I'm on, he played for Plastics Valley. I, I hear he had a, a trial in Wales as well. To, so, you know, he's, he's, he's been around the block and he's 23 years of age and is probably hugely grateful for the, for the opportunity he's getting now to, to show his ability at the highest level. Hat-trick against Montpellier a couple of weeks ago. He's played for Senegal. He made his Senegal debut last month as well against Morocco. So it, you know, it's great to see Boulay Dia getting getting the success he, you he see deserves. Something with the hunger of these players that come through an unconventional route, rather than having been mollycoddled from the age of ten through a club's academy and being tipped as a future star, getting the boot deal and everything. That mm-hmm. when you come into the game at twenty two, twenty three, you're so grateful for the opportunity that you're going to give it absolutely everything. You're not jaded by the world of professional football by the time you're making your debut and playing in these big matches. And just to explain, in case anybody's a little bit confused by Robbie's um, rambling. Uh, revelation, not rambling, <laughs> revelation that he was mowing roundabouts. Uh, in France, if you've you know, been around France on, on your summer holidays, they, they're very well the looked after are the towns. And Absolutely. the roundabouts are beautiful. They've got flowers, they've got <laughs> perfect lawns. And yeah, the local council look after that. And often, yeah, these, uh, these jobs are, are up for grabs. Boulardia may have been mowing lawns. Uh, Adil Rami is another famous more, uh, lawn mower. In Fréjus, no? In yeah, Fréjus, absolutely. yeah. So when you're driving through Fréjus on, on the south coast, just uh, think about Adil and Rami. And you see someone mowing the lawn, just think they could be <laughs> a World Cup winner in the future. Absolutely. So well done, Boulay Dia. Let's move on to our second feature game, which is Paris Saint-Germain against Rennes. It was first against third at kickoff time, Andy Scott was at the Parc des Princes for this one. Lea Siliki has lost it. It's come to Moise Keane. He's got support outside him, but he goes alone. And Moise Keane scores. Well, he's had a fantastic start to life as a Paris Saint-Germain player. And uh, the Italian is on target again. And it is a cheap goal given away by Ren. Di Maria's shot has gone in. Well, he's been such a peripheral figure in the second half, Angel Di Maria. And as soon as the ball comes to him, within sight of goal, he picks his spot and makes it 3-0. Another goal for Di Maria. So Paris Saint-Germain making it eight wins out of eight. A 3-0 triumph. And Robbie, they're, they're scoring goals despite Killian being out, despite Neymar being out. And the man effectively replacing Maro Icardi at the moment, up top, Moyes King, doing a job, isn't he? Got the opening goal, five goals for him now in all competitions. Absolutely. I, I Just a little word on the pronunciation, because in Italy... Moyes Ken. He is known ah. as Mr. Ken. Um, but he himself does announce himself when we did our first interview with him as Moyes Keen in English and in French. So, look, as you like. But uh, in Italy, he's an Italy international, born and raised in Italy, where they call him Moise Ken. So there you go. And Moise Ken, which I will say, is doing a fantastic job. He's, uh, he's a, a player where I think we haven't seen the best of him either yet because he's still settling in. But 
doesn't he put in the workload up front? He works hard defensively. He does everything that's asked from him. In the first couple of matches, he barely got a sighting on goal, but he still worked hard, and people were saying he's like an Accardi-type figure. I think that's when you come through the ranks in Italy, uh, or a large part of your career like Accardi in Italy, you learn these, these how to work hard as a striker, and it doesn't necessarily mean being involved in the build-up play. It means there to finish. Two goals uh, against Dijon, two goals against Bashakshir in the Champions League, which was a 2-0 victory and crucial goals for Moise Ken. And they're opening the scoring here in a match that could have been a tricky one for Paris Saint-Germain because Rennes are a very good side. A lot of pressure on Paris Saint-Germain at the moment after Leipzig, where Moise Ken struggled to see, to see much of the football again. So many negatives, though, about the side getting injured and... and Ken limped out of the match in the second half with what could be a knee injury as well. So I think Rob, before the game, I think there were nine injury absentees and four players went off with 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 physical problems. But I think one of them was just fatigue. That yeah. was um, Florenzi. Alessandro Florenzi was just exhausted apparently in the dressing room at half time. Um, so he he came off. Uh, huge problems there. There was a big question mark over Kaylor Navas before kickoff as well. The coach had announced the day before the game that he wouldn't be playing because he's struggling with fatigue and muscle fatigue as well. In the end, he took his place in the side. But there is a starting 11 minus a goalkeeper that's on the treatment table at the moment at Paris Saint-Germain will be the envy of all other clubs in Ligue 1. And Robbie, uh, Thomas Tuchel decided Marquinhos was a defender this weekend. Is that right? That's right, because Danilo Pereira needed a break and uh, Marquinhos is able to step back in after a little injury problem of his own when he came back from Brazil action a month and a half ago. But uh, that's an interesting debate. Shall we have that one here? Have we ha- no, did you have it last week? Yeah, we've talked pod? about Marquinhos we've defender talked about it quite or a midfielder. Lot. I want to talk about Thomas Tuchel, though, um, and just the fact that for me, it's been, this has been going on for quite a while, I would say, even before the Champions League run. Uh, he, he's a different manager to the manager who arrived, who seemed to be insouciant and uh, quite funny and spontaneous in, in his interviews. And he's now very, very wary um, of the press and has been having a, a bit of a pop at the French media, say, you know, talking about them being extremely negative. And he was quite tetchy uh, post-match um, on Saturday, Dave. Yeah. Do, you, do, you, do you think he's okay? Do you think he feels like he is still very much the main man at PSG and he wants to stay? It's not only him, is it? It's Andre Villas-Boas as well. Exactly. And it's Rudy Garcia. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's incredible and it's a, a thing that's just repetitive here in France. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's in a fragile position. Uh, any Paris Saint-Germain coach that enters the final year of their contract, you start to wonder, well, it's a bit like an American president, isn't it? As they head towards the end of their term, they become a lame duck. So mm. while he's got the players on side and while they're winning games, not a huge problem. But if he's already got an eye on his future, yeah, he can just shoot from the hip. Why not? Also, we talk about players struggling with back-to-back games and playing three games a week. When you've got pre-match press conference and post-match press conference being asked the same questions time and time again with people trying to get something out of you, I understand why you lash out occasionally. I, I don't like being asked the same question every Monday, for instance. But <laughs> I, 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 don't, I, I don't have as colourful swear words to use in, in French as, uh, as I won't Tuchel ask you, or Villas-Boas. I won't ask you about Jonathan David this week, Dave. <laughs> I want to put a couple of points to you, Robbie, um, because I know you will come back and say Tuchel's <laughs> just, just won the treble, got them to a Champions League yeah. final. Um, it's the first time in the Qatari era that PSG have lost four matches um, in this stage of the season. A lot of people suggest that PSG should be judged on their Champions League performances. It's the first time they've lost two matches 
um, in the group stage and they've lost two out of the first three. Um, should Tuchel accept as well that he's um, under the spotlight at the moment? Absolutely, but I think he's got to, he, more than anything, he has to focus on, on his work, doesn't he? If you start getting, allowing yourself to get distracted by this and, and, and starting to doubt yourself and your practices and what's got you here, then, then I think you're in, you're in even bigger trouble if you start to second-guess yourself. And the, the, the message hasn't changed. The message since the start of the season and the two defeats against Lens and Marseille to start the season was, we are going to struggle probably at least until the November international break, but maybe all the way to Christmas. Everyone's forgotten that because it's been a little bit covered by the results in Ligue 1 with seven, eight wins in a row now to take you top of the table. Five points clear at the top as well. But in the Champions League, it is another level of intensity. There are teams that are playing for, for everything in the Champions League as well. It's tougher. It's harder. There you go. Sorry, I just went out to make a cup of tea there as Robbie started. Dave, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> no, no, you make, you make good points. Uh, yeah, I know, of course he's going to be judged on the Champions League. If they don't make it through the group stage, that will be a disaster. Yeah, but, but we're, we're only halfway through. Yeah. You've only got three points. And the, the first team is three points ahead and you play them both in the next two games. Well, you better beat Leipzig then yeah, because exactly. otherwise you're in absolutely. big trouble. No, they're going to have to cope absolutely. with those pressure games and come through them. Um, this is the nature of football, isn't it? I weren't Bayern Munich rubbish at this time last year and mm. now they're the greatest European club side of the last decade or something. I, I don't know. So we'll, we'll see. I know, while you've got injuries happening every game, he's not able to pick the team that he wants to pick. Uh, I'm not going to look for excuses for them because they should be doing better in Europe, with even with the players that they've got available. I'm happy. Yeah, sorry, finish. Oh, carry on, carry on. I'm happy to to weigh in with one thing, and this is just speaking for myself because we see a lot and hear a lot, and I don't know if we, we've spoken about it about the Marquinhos Danilo Pereira thing. Just personal opinions. A lot of a lot of the criticism was that Marquinhos is not a born midfielder, that the, there's no creativity in midfield. But Marquinhos is not the player you have in there to bring you creativity. No, 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 Rob. The criticism is they don't have a number six, a holding midfielder, and that Danilo was signed to, to be the holding midfielder they haven't had since Thiago Motta left. But so a lot that Marquinhos, of the... the club captain and one of the best centre-backs in the world, could play centre-back. But he can also give something to the team in midfield. He can. Perhaps Danilo, who's just signed for the club and has been there for three weeks, doesn't yet offer in crucial matches after you lose that first match of the Champions League. The pressure is on you and you need to go for someone who, let's not forget, was player of the tournament for Paris Saint-Germain in midfield in the final eight, which was Marquinhos, who scored in every game and was, was key and almost scored in the final, the equalising goal in the last minute. He's a player that has a track record of being excellent in midfield last year. It's not For me, Marquinhos in midfield is not that shocking, especially when the idea is you have Di Maria, Verratti, Neymar and all these other players. But it does show a, a lack of planning in terms of constructing the squad. And I, I agree that versatility and flexibility are, are important to major sides. And Bayern are the perfect example of this. The way they've converted defenders into midfielders or centre-halves to full-backs or full-backs to centre-halves. And Which is another excellent point because there are, nearly every team in Ligue 1 plays with a central defender in midfield these days. But... Really? Dan- look, I, I, I felt for Danilo against Leipzig. He, he looked completely out of sorts. He said after the game, I'm not a, I'm not a defender. Um, look, it's, it's a debate. I think that is going to run and run, but I, I, I personally feel that it's not quite as clear cut as just the manager picking what he thinks is the best team. I think he's unhappy with the, with the recruitment. I don't know. I've got no inside information on that. 
Um, but it's you know it's it's an interesting debate. But as you say, Robbie, this is the League on Uber Eats uh, podcast, the official podcast brought to you uh, in association with BT Sport and Paris Saint Germain are officially five points clear at the top of League on Uber Eats. So you know, as far as League on is concerned, November la vie, la vie est belle. We are going to bring in our déjà vu. Um, I know that everybody gets excited because our listeners can get involved. And uh, Ian Holyman, you know, you, I sense that he's taking a, a lot of pleasure from trying to catch people out. So last week, this was the clue. I'm one of many African players who took their first steps in Europe here in France. After making my professional debut in the land of Quiche, I really made my name in Mozart's hometown. England has been my home for six years now. Some real... Big cultural references from Ian Holyman, our producer. The answer, Santiago Mane, the former Mets man, of course. Correct answers, uh, Adam Cyrilnik. Well done, Adam. Uh, good luck with the house move as well. We understand your, your moving house. Uh, Liam Rafe, again, in there with the correct answer. Gonzalo Tobar, that's a, that's a new name. Well done, Gonzalo, for, for getting that right. And Habib Bar, after getting one wrong last week, he's back with a correct answer. So this week's clue, you have to guess uh, which player... I'm talking about you can send in answers uh, to our email address league1podcast at gmail.com or using the hashtag on Twitter le bouge so I'm from the Paris region that reduces it to several million but I made my name in Lille I eventually played for Paris Saint-Germain I've also played in Giallorossi and Blaugrana and now just in blue there you go. That is the clue. Another tricky one from Mr. Holyman, but do uh, get your answers across to us. Um, surprise result at the weekend over in Brittany. Lille were exceptional on Thursday night. They beat AC Milan 3-0 in the San Siro. They were still unbeaten this season going to the Stade Francis Luble. Here's what happened in Brest. David Crossan saw this one. Coming from Perrault. And they deserve it for the start they've made to this game. The fit again, Roniel Pierre-Gabriel with the goal. But across there, and Mounier would have had a free header. Perrault, it's into the back of the net, and Brest are 2-0 up. Roman Perrault's third of a terrific season. Having set up the first, he scored the second. Good movement again from Brest. Steve Mounier, good flicked header, and it's 3-0. Irvan Cardona. Yilmaz against Larsener. Larsener goes the right way, but the penalty is too good. And Yilmaz has his fifth of the season. There's a scuffle afterwards. Brest three, Lille one. Pierre. His mobility testing Brest. Chance here. A second Lille goal and a second goal for Burak Yilmaz, who moves on to six for the season. Dave, cracking game. Lille going three down, coming back. But uh, in the end, not having it, uh, not having quite enough to to get back to three three. Um, Brest, good value for the win overall. I'd say so. Uh, held on at the end because Yilmaz hit the post in the last minute. Otherwise, he'd have had a hat trick bringing it back from three nil to three three. But Brest were outstanding in the first half. And it's all very well doing it at the San Siro on a Thursday with Yazidji scoring a hat trick. But can you do it on a sunny Sunday lunchtime in Brest? The answer was no. When it came to Lille, they were off the pace. I mean, it is tricky doing that Thursday night, Sunday lunchtime thing. Uh, and Brest tore into them. Uh, and that was what was most impressive about it. Because Brest 
have the worst defensive record in the division coming into the weekend. Um, but they get their full-backs going forward. Um, uh, Ronnie Pierre gabriel headed home the opener from across from the other full-back, Roman Perro, who then scored a lovely second. And it's a style of football I really enjoy watching. Get the ball wide, have a big man up front in Steve Mounier, who is back to his Montpellier form after struggling a little bit in the Premier League with Huddersfield. He wins more aerial battles than anyone else in the league. And it makes them tough to play against because they just had far more energy than Lille. And Lille only improved after Galtier made three half-time changes. They do play lovely football. Uh, I've seen them a few times this season. I'm a big fan of Romain Fevre, uh, the former Monaco youngster in, in midfield. And I think Olivier Daloglio, the coach, des- deserves credit. We saw at Dijon uh, at times he played some cracking football. And it's great to see a club with sort of limited resources like Brest um, not afraid to play, not afraid to attack, no, even against big teams. No, he deserves so much credit for sticking to the principles. He lines his team up in a 4-4-2. The attackers move all across the park with uh, Fevre uh, on one side and Cardona, although nominally a centre-forward, he splits wide a lot. And this gives Mounier options for when he flicks the ball. Perro has one of the best left foots in the entire French league. Uh, he could have had a second goal. Menon made a fantastic save from him. And what we saw with Dalolio at Dijon was that he was fi- he was happy to stay in the division, scoring, say, 55 and conceding 65. And not enough teams play like that. But if, if more teams play like that, you're going to tune in every Sunday lunchtime. I, I'd watch Brest play any, any day of the week. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's even better that they're doing it, or even more impressive, they're doing it without fans because their stadium can be... Um, a tough place to go because it is very compact and the uh, the fans make a lot of noise. But uh, Robbie, it's a, it's a big setback this for Lille, who were unbeaten going into the game. A lot of people would have expected them to get three points after their excellent uh, win in Milan. But football can be a great leveller and I'm sure Christophe Galtier warned his players not to be complacent. But I think it, it's natural to sort of subconsciously think, well, we've just gone and win in this, won in the San Siro we should be all right against against Brest. Is that was that the problem? Yeah, well, I think that's there's an element of that. The players, even subconsciously, you come into a game after a big win in Europe, you're undefeated in the league as well. Uh, you say it's a big setback. Yes, it's a, a setback. I don't know if it's a big one yet. Every team is allowed to have a, an off day. They had their off day. Maybe too many changes from the coach at halftime as well. When you make those changes, you bring on important players in the second half and you turn things around. Look, an off day for Lille, but I'm not too worried about them. I think they'll keep going. Yeah, they missed uh, Andre and Celic, who were both suspended. Mm-hmm. I think they're massive players when it comes to Lille. And uh, Jose Font's halftime interview, he was disgusted with the effort. And Bubakare Sumare was one of the players hooked at halftime, Ikone as well. Uh, and they did get a little bit better. Um, Yazidje made his first league start after the Europa League mm. hat-trick at Milan, also a Europa League hat-trick against Prague. Prague yeah. um, and, you know, I, I think it's difficult for a player, as Memphis Depay has shown, coming back from the ACL injury to play those two games in three days. And he didn't do very much, actually, apart from a nice touch for Yilmaz's second goal. Lee will be fine. From a, a neutral's perspective, it is frustrating, though, that they haven't been able to keep on Paris Saint-Germain's heels uh, now that there is that five-point gap at the top when... 
yeah, most people would have expected it to be a two-point gap and for them to have won at Brest. Interesting you say the, the similarities between Yazici and, and Memphis Depay. They both had their operations at the same time by the same surgeon and did their rehab together for a little time Exactly in at the same time. He did yep. one knee and the other exactly. in the well, same he was, room. He was doing both. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the that two ex- struck up a very good friendship. And they've never played together. I checked it all out because I, I commentated Lil uh, Leon the other week and... And they were there chatting away at full time, having a, a good old chin wag. And uh, I did a little bit of research and That's they're, good. they're good mates. Well done, Rob. And fair play to the surgeon, because looking at the way Yezichi and uh, Memphis are playing, exactly. they've made great yeah. recoveries. I, I should have gone to see him. I did my ACL in 2005 and I've never been the same player since. I did mine in 95. Are you still yeah. dreaming of, of playing cricket for <laughs> France, Dave? Is that, is yeah, that gone now? Yeah, th- that or becoming an indoor rowing champion for France, something like that. Rowing, probably more realistic. Although I've never actually seen you play cricket, so I shouldn't judge. Let's. Uh, we, we've got one more featured match, and it, it was another big one. It was a weekend of big games. This was the Côte d'Azur derby, Nice against uh, Monaco. Both sides in, in in pretty good form going into this one. Ian Holyman is your commentator. Sarsi is there, and he's done it again as Axel de Sarsi. Almost a carbon copy of the goal he scored against his former side, France, on the opening day of the season. Soki gives it away again. This time to Sofiane Diop. And this time, Monaco punished the Nice defender. And that's 2-0. And now Latomba. Cue from Latomba. And he spilled it as Minone. And it's still not away, and it's in. And a mistake by Minone on his debut. And Lise Merlu grabs a goal back for Nice. And there's still life in this derby yet. So Monaco running out uh, 2-1 victors. And I think it was richly deserved. I think it would have been what the French like to call a bit of a hold-up if, uh, if Nice had got an equaliser late on. And uh, I think it's fair to say Niko Kovac has instilled quite a lot of discipline in, in his young team. And he's got his attackers scoring goals now. We've seen... Kevin Volland and uh, Jelson Martin scoring uh, the week before with some Ben Yedda on target from the penalty spot again this weekend. And uh, yeah, Monaco, so that, you know, I'm just looking at the league table. They're up to seventh, but they are only two points behind Lille, who who were second. And uh, Dave, this is this is an important win for Kovac's men. Yeah, backing up what they did against Bordeaux the previous week. I I have to say that I, I feared for Nice. I fear for their entire season, actually, ever since Dante's ACL injury, because not only is he their captain and inspiration, he organises the team, touches the ball more than anyone else. They rely on his long passing, and Schneiderland dropped into the back line to try and fill that Dante role, and that's tricky, the the midfielder having to do that. Um, but, yeah, Monaco, it, they could go on a serious run now. If they start playing with confidence, they've got the players... We said even when they were losing the games, the players buy into Kovac's possession-based philosophy. Um, They have an enhanced cutting edge now that players are getting closer to Ben Yedda to give him the support. And they seem to be cutting out the individual errors that were blighting them um, throughout October. Although the goalkeeper Vito Manone made his debut with uh, Benjamin Leconte out uh, injured and he had a bit of a howler for the the Nice goal. He spilt a a pretty straightforward shot. Disassi then... Uh, failed to clear the ball and 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 Nice scored. That's a concern. And you talk about them going on a, on a run. Their next game is against PSG. Uh, Monaco capable of posing 
Paris problems, Rob? I think so. I think they're a side that if they sort out their defensive woes, I commentated their game against Lyon three weeks ago now, which were, or two weeks ago, three games ago, which was just horrific at the back. I mean, it was it was traumatic stuff from the likes of De Sassi, um, Badia Chile as well. Youngsters, Florentino in midfield was was absent in the first 45 minutes. They were involved in handing Leon all the goals. And yet, when, you, when they scored early in the second half, you felt they could have done something more. And that's why I think you always have this faith in this Monaco side. They have quality players. It's a little bit like Leon. They have quality in attack. They have options for the coach. And if the players buy in with the coach, which by all accounts, Kovac is a player's manager, the players the players like him, that he has a good relationship with them. Despite the losses and the draws, I think they went three games without a victory, uh, which was a bad October for them. But they've bounced back so far. Whether they can continue that against PSG, I expect Monaco have a great record against Paris Saint-Germain. And uh, they're like a bogey club for, for PSG. And it's continued all the way through Qatari investment. I like them. I think they've got lots of great options and I think Kovac is doing a good job. And fair play to him for sticking to his guns because when you're on a bad run, the temptation would be to get the experienced players in. But he keeps Fabregas and Jovetic on the bench, keeps those youngsters playing. I think Caio Enrique, the Brazilian left-back, mm-hmm. he looks a proper player. Uh, yeah, really he strong game. He's just been around though, hasn't he? I mean, he's, he's Atletico Madrid, I think, originally. but uh, Yeah, and then got loaned back to Brazil a, yeah. a lot. Yeah, and, exactly. and, but he's now... Yeah. Definitely making his European breakthrough. Which just reminds us that it, sometimes they just need the right conditions for a player who, who hasn't performed well, just to, to everything to click, and they're the player that uh, perhaps they were when they were 14, banging in goals in their local team. Yeah, it was uh, Disassi who got the, the first goal, and Sofiane mm-hmm. Jop the, uh, the second, which was, uh, which was very well taken. I like Sofiane Jop as well. Yeah, nice very, player. Very good young yeah. player. Quick wrap of uh, what happened around the grounds. Montpellier getting another victory. They seem to be back on track. 2-0 uh, away to Bordeaux. Uh, Nantes also won 2-0 away uh, against Lorient. That looked, having watched the highlights, looked like a bit of a smash and grab because Lorient had plenty of chances. Uh, Metz won, Dijon won. So uh, a point for, for bottom of the table, Dijon. Brilliant win for Angers. 5-1 away to Nîmes. A couple there for Stefan Bauerken, uh, the Cameroonian striker. And, um, and that is basically your lot. But as we do like to put our Heads on the line here on Le Bourgeois. We are going to have a, a little round the table chat about the best and worst signing so far. We're just over a quarter of the way gone into this season. Um, so I'm going to start with David for, for, for the best, best signing so far. I wish I'd thought about this before you'd asked me the question. I had a lot of time to, to, to reflect. Um, I'm going to go with Barack Yilmaz. Oh, you've taken mine. Were you, were you not on the Were you not on the WhatsApp last night, Dave? Uh, yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. Just after watching the derby, I was on the WhatsApp. No, Burek Yilmaz, uh, six goals in six games. I just like his attitude, uh, and, and he settled in really well, being helped by the other Turks. Zeki Celik, having been there the longest, has acted as tour guide, given up his number seventeen shirt to the Turkish international captain, and and he was almost single handedly getting Leal back into that game, and he's going to. If, as long as he stays fit, I think he's going to get 20 goals this season. 20 goals. That would be mm. an amazing achievement. Robbie, best signing so far? I have, like always, can't narrow it down. So I have two. One, one, uh, one perhaps already, and one we'll see at the end of the season. So first one, I really like Sehu Girassi at Rennes. I think uh, he's a fantastic player. He's, he's technical for a big man. He is a huge striker. 
He makes intelligent runs. He's very, very fast. And uh, Mbanyong, well, he was brought in because they thought Mbanyong was leaving at Rennes. I don't think Mbanyong will necessarily just walk straight back into the side as well. Girassi, if they can just learn to play with him a little bit more, he could also be a 20-goal striker. And Rennes, if they can get through this Champions League campaign relatively unscathed, will be in the top four or five again this season, no doubt. And possibly, thanks to his goals, my second one, and this is a bit more left, left field, is Adrian Kubas, the little number 18 holding midfielder who's got elements of box-to-box about him at Nîmes. And he's a fantastic player. He came a uh, Paraguayan who's been playing at Boca Juniors and he is just a quality little footballer. Nîmes don't get much uh, vision. So uh, if you get the chance to watch a Nîmes match, have a look and check out the little holding midfielder. He's tiny, he's everywhere, he's on the ball, he's cool in possession, he's not afraid to get stuck in and uh, a good little player. Yeah, the, the French club's looking more and more, I think, to to South America as mm-hmm. well. Um, I'm going to go with... I've also got a couple I, I was thinking of. I'm I not, have a list of about six, actually, I'm not so going to go. More. I'm not going to go with Moyes <laughs> Ken, but I did think about it because, honestly, he's, he's surprised me quite a lot. Yeah, I, me too. I, we, we talked about him earlier in the pod. I know he struggled at, uh, at Everton. And I just thought he'd be a kind of a bit part player at PSG, but he's really taken to uh, to Ligue 1. He's he's fitted in very nicely at PSG, and just in terms of his, I don't know, he's bigger than I thought, stronger than I thought. He he he, he troubles defenders. He uh, he weighs on the defence, as the as the French like to say. So I've been impressed with him. But I'm going to go for another South American. Didn't have a great uh, weekend because he scored an own goal and his team let in four and he's a defender but Facundo Medina 21 year old Argentine really really impressive signing he's actually uh, made his debut for the uh, Argentine national team last month and he's been brilliant for Lens so centre back rugged uh, player but also uh, pretty good on the ball fantastic signing left for, sided, le- for le- Les Sonnyors he yeah. plays left side mm-hmm. of, of, of the two or sometimes they play three at, at centre back so that, there you go great signing from Lens now much more kind of fun and controversial side. The worst signings so far, uh, David Crossan. Yeah, and I, I mentioned our, our mutual friend, Irishman Mark Rodden, last week. And so far, I've got to say that his reading of Belgian football is appalling. <laughs> that I, I've got two. It's because of the transfer fees as well. And given time, hopefully they'll come good. Jeremy Doku at Rennes and Jonathan David at Lille. Big money signings. Two, two, signings. two club record signings. Yeah, exactly. And, mm-hmm. and, and that, when you spend that much money, particularly in this summer transfer window where nobody's been spending money, they've got to perform and they haven't so far. And uh, David, you said you weren't going to ask me about him, so I'm going to talk about him anyway. Uh, he came off the bench and did absolutely nothing. And it's not even... I mean, Galtier praised his work rate after the Milan game, which he started, but I didn't see him make a single sprint uh, when they were chasing the game. He didn't manage to link with any of his teammates. And Doku, from what I've seen of him so far, obvious talent, but he's not managed to fit into that team yet. Robbie? I would, yeah, well, Doku, I think, well, I think both of them obviously have potential, which is what what you said, Dave. Doku, I think, has done a little bit more than than Jonathan David so far, who, uh, yeah, he has struggled. Um, I just have, before I try and put someone in well, criticise a player, which I don't like doing. I had another honourable mention, Naif Aguerd, the Rennes centre-back as well. He had a serious injury at Dijon. 
has come back, didn't cost much, and he is a very handy footballer I thought, as well. I thought about Ignatius Ganago as well, which uh, as well, sadly yeah. he got injured. But anyway, we're, we're on the worst signings now. Okay, worst signings now. Oh, it's, it's tough. This is really stuff that I don't like, don't like doing. It's coming up with a, a worst signing. I'm going to... And I don't think he's a bad player, obviously. Lucas Paqueta for the moment. Because it was uh, a big signing for Leon, and I just haven't seen the the point of it so far. But uh, you know, you've got Guimaraes, who's a, a quality player in there, who can who can do that do that role, who can. He's get more forward, attacking, can play. Paqueta. Well, not so far. He hasn't been. Uh, and I, I think, think Guimaraes can also harsh. play uh, play a, a more advanced role as well. But from what I, well, that's just from what I've seen so far. But I haven't seen the whole league, and I and I and I. Paqueta don't looks like to be a great five side player. Yeah, well, yeah, but it, for the moment, he's, well, if we're saying he's not settled in properly, okay, he hasn't settled in so far. He didn't settle at Milan. He didn't, we didn't see the best of him there. And we haven't so far seen the best of him at Leon. but it is early days. Right. No one I'm, else, there haven't been that many signings either. I mean, I looked through a lot of the clubs to try and find players that have been disappointing and there haven't been that well, many. I, I, I was hesitating between Danilo Pereira, who just doesn't look like a great centre-back and apparently PSG have bought him to play centre-back. Um, but but I'm opting for another Parisian signing. So, you know, I, I did give Moise Ken a, a shout out for being a very good signing. I'm, and again, you know, he's not the worst player in the league. But for me, Rafinha is a pointless signing. It's a, it's a big salary coming in from Barcelona. He's a player who is not capable of improving a club of, of PSG's stature and a club with, with those ambitions. We saw um, over a decade at Barcelona, he didn't manage to impose himself there. Okay, it's a, it's a big football club. Um, he had a season on loan at Celta Vigo, and I wasn't that surprised to hear his uh, his father, the former Brazil player, Mazzinho, um, saying that uh, Leonardo was in contact to try to sign Thiago Alcantara, but unfortunately, he had already done a deal with Liverpool, so uh, so so he's got he's got the brother. <laughs> That's an incredible thing for the dad to come out and say, mind you. Yeah, Absolutely. it's incredible. Look, he's, he's not the worst player, Rob, but I saw him um, when he came on against Leipzig. I just thought he was slow. He didn't. And it's not easy to come into a game with that intensity and have an impact. And like you, Rob, I don't like criticising, but there you go. He's I admire his approach to wearing a tracksuit to play a match, though. He, doesn't he go for the leggings underneath the shorts? Yeah. finds it a yeah. bit cold. Yeah, it's, a, it's a very mild November at the moment. It was 17 it degrees in Brest. Yeah. But it was cold in, in Leipzig, Mike. I suppose it protects the hamstrings. And it can't be easy being and like... he's had big, big injury problems as being well. The, two, yeah, the brother, the brother is not quite as good. I, I'm... I, there are plenty of good examples. I'm thinking Phil Neville and, and Mark War, which is a cricket reference, but um, Dave's going to come up with a better brother reference. Oh, Roy Keane had a brother who played. He was useless. Yeah, Ryan, Ryan Giggs's brother. Yeah. Perhaps the less said about that, the better. The Loudrup pair were all right. Yeah, they were good. They were good, <laughs> but even so, Brian Loudrup was phenomenal. It was always like, well, your brother's better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, Michael was an incredible player. Let's finish up with um, with a look ahead to uh, not next weekend, the weekend after that. The Nilkers have brothers, don't they? The Pogbas have brothers. They're agents. Aren't they? Oh, the Pog, yeah. yeah, Florentine Pogba. That's yeah. tough. Yeah, because yeah. you know easy. he's a decent, honest player. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Brothers, a superstar. Well, had, a, had a full, l- lengthy career, Florentine Pogba. Nabil Fekir's uh, got a little brother. Yeah, who seems to sign everywhere he signs. Yeah, he played for Leon. <laughs> Robbie, um, you rudely interrupted me. I, I wanted to look ahead to next weekend, um, which is an international weekend. So we're going to look ahead to what's happening in two weeks' time. And we're going to um, go on a bon voyage and decide uh, which is the town and the match that we want to go to.
So just a very quick wrap of what is happening. The big game, uh, I think that's fair to say, is on Friday, the 20th of November, Monaco versus Paris Saint-Germain. It's uh, 9 p.m. local time. You can watch it in the UK live on BT Sport from 8 p.m. Uh, should be a cracker. Marseille-Nice, there's always niggle. It's a, a big southern derby, that one, on Saturday night. Again, 9 p.m. local time, 8 p.m. in the UK. And again, you can watch that one uh, on BT Sport. Um, other games, so on Sunday, Nantes against Metz is the early kickoff. Lille against Lorient, the late kickoff. Um, that's at 9 p.m. local time, 8 p.m. UK. Um, Angers against Lyon, I think is interesting because Angers are playing quite well. That's at, at 5 o'clock in France, 4 p.m. in the UK. Watch it on BT Sport. But uh, David and Robbie, which game takes your fancy from round 11? I'll go first. Okay. Um, I am a person that generally likes uh, a classic between traditional giants. I like the Monaco PSG is is alluring Marseille-Nice as well. But there's also a part of me that likes a uh, bit off-centre football clubs. And so I'm going to go Montpellier-Strasbourg because they're two sides that uh, I have a little soft spot for both of them. I think they have strong identities, which you don't often, well, that we're in danger of losing a lot in, in football clubs. Montpellier and Strasbourg, two two sides with, uh, yeah, you know when you're in Montpellier, you know when you're playing Strasbourg. They've got handy players. I love Florent Mollet uh, at Montpellier. Uh, I like Gaetan Laborde as well. Strasbourg have, have exciting players and they have a fantastic story. Someone like Dimitri Leonard, who played a full game against, Mar- well, started the game against Marseille as well, has a fantastic story. So plenty to like in both those two clubs, so I'll be there. I think I'll go for Marseille-Nice. Um, I think that's an intriguing match off the back of, the international window, both clubs with something to prove, even if Marseille got that win at Strasbourg uh, to sign off before the international break, thanks to Sanson's great volley. Nice trying to bounce back from the derby and both coaches just trying to work out a formula that's going to work for them through till Christmas now. So a good tactical matchup between Villas-Boas and uh, Patrick Vieira. I'm going to um, go for a surprise choice here. I'm going to go to see Dijon against Lens. Um, on Sunday afternoon because the weather is apparently going to be good and that that drive that you go on between Beaune and Dijon the uh, yeah, Route des, des Vins where you've got just magnificent vineyards and, and chateaus and it's absolutely beautiful great Rob- little town Dijon as well and, and really. Dijon Dijon's nice a lovely town, town. so yeah. in a world where we're not in lockdown um, I, I would go there and in particular because I want to see one of my compatriots who's playing really well Jonathan Panzo um, has been starting regularly for Dijon France sorry England under 21 international uh, formerly of Chelsea. Uh, he moved to, to Monaco. He had a, a season on loan in Belgium last year, but he's doing well for Dijon. They're not conceding many goals, but they need wins. So I want to see I, if Jonathan Panzo can to help coach. Now that they've stacked Stefan Jobar, maybe they need an English speaker. Or that's, a sporting director, Matt. good point. I could, yeah, gone as well. yeah, I could put my name yeah. forward. I could put, well, yeah, you've given me ideas now. Well, if I'm not hosting in two weeks, you know where I will be. But um, that's all we've got time for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. From Robbie Thompson, David Cross and me, Matt Spirit. It's time to say goodbye. We'll see you again very soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Neymar still. Oh, my word. What a goal. Golovin. Lovely finish. Must be the opening goal. Benedetto. And by no. Beautifully done, sensational.